Hello, all, and welcome back to Three Got Game Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. I have Matt and G uh, online with me. We're doing another remote. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Uh, just witnessed the Red Sox sweep the Yankees this past weekend, and you know me as a Boston Red Sox fan. Whenever we beat the Yankees, there's no better feeling than that. That's good. That's good to hear. Gigi, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Matt, I caught that game last night. Pretty crazy, actually. Night, uh, good ending to a game. And shout out to Team USA for winning the Nations Cup in a thriller against Mexico, 3-2. to two. Amazing, amazing game. Good stuff by our national team. That's good to hear, G. Uh, and in other news, uh, my semi-pro team has made it to the playoffs. We have our first game on Saturday. All Woo! right. All right. Uh, let's yeah. go. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy weekend. Pretty hot. Um, definitely got some sunburn. How about you guys? No? Hot. Hot. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. hot no sunburn, but hot for sure, man. Yeah, yeah it definitely. was hot. I was walking around in New York City the entire weekend, so. Oof. So yeah, it was it was tough. It was some adjusting to do. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. All right, and another hot things: the NBA playoffs. Uh, we just finished the first round. Crazy in the West, kind of stale in the East. Uh, let's kick it off with the LA and uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, what do you guys think about that series, with LeBron and you know his legacy and all this going on? Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah, so clearly my prediction did not go as planned. I thought the Lakers were going to win in uh, seven games. But uh, obviously, Anthony Davis did not play the last three games. And you saw, without him on the court, how much of an impact or how much of a hit it takes on the entire Lakers team. Because at that point, LeBron had to do everything by himself. and, And at his age right now, at 36 or 37 years old, coming off a high ankle sprain, like, it's just unfortunate that they couldn't get it done. And in terms of LeBron's legacy, um, I always thought he was the second greatest player of all time before Michael, after Michael Jordan. And, and after this loss, I don't think it took any, it didn't move the needle for me. I still think he's the second best player of all time. But I still do want to give a shout out to his sons, how hard they played, and Chris Paul playing through shoulder injury the entire series. And I also want to give a big shout out to Devin Booker just went off in game seven. I think he uh, he had the three-point record in game seven, had over 40 points. Game six. Just in, oh, game six. Wow. It's and, all right. Uh, no worries. And, yeah. Yeah, so great series by his sons. They move on, and I can't wait to see how they do moving forward. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting series. I did predict the uh, – I, I think I said sons in seven. Um, yeah, you picked. You both picked the Suns. I'm the only one yes. who picked the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I saw a very good play out of Phoenix. And, of course, with Anthony Davis out, it's a, it's a big loss for L.A. And it's hard to uh, put um, the game on LeBron's shoulders and try to lead that team to, you know, against one of a very good uh, West team. Uh, and, again, LeBron's legacy, no, it's not shattered. He's 14-1 and one in first rounds. This is first lost in the first round. So no, he's, he's still has got a lot to play with left with. And, um, he's, um, uh, he's going to get ready back for next season. G. Um, 
Yeah, Ryan, like you, I think I had Phoenix in seven. Obviously, they won in six, which is okay. Um, same thing. But, uh, Matt, uh, definitely shout to Devin Booker. 47 points in game six. I mean, the dude was balling. I think he hit like six threes in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, DeAndre in great, uh, great young big. You know, I think he shot like 70% from the field the entire series. Average about 15 and 10. Dude was a defensive presence, did what they needed, and got to give Chris Paul his flowers. Every team that he seems to go to just seems to get better. It doesn't really show in the stats, but, like, you know, I mean, this Phoenix team not being a playoff team last year, even though they were nice in the bubble going in, you know, uh, the year before, you know, taking a OKC team that was lottery-bound, assumed, to the playoffs. I mean, Monty Williams, great coaching job. Got to give those guys their props. Lakers, you know, it's tough. The makeup of the team was different. I mean, you replace uh, guys like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who people probably didn't think much of with, you know, a slow-moving, no offense to Marc Gasol. It just seems to be at the tail end of his career. He probably should hang it up at this point. Sorry, big fella. He had a good career. Um, and, you know, Montres Harold didn't seem to fit. Um, LeBron's 36 years old. Let's put this in perspective. You know, I'm not his biggest fan. I mean, people who are claiming his legacy was tarnished because he lost in the first round for the first time need to get a clue. Seriously, guys. I mean, the guy's 36. Could he have played better? Sure. But the guy's trying to do all he can. You know, nobody expected Anthony Davis to be out significant time for the series, even though he has an injury history. You know, I think they, he could use the rest. Being, play, being used to playing so deep in the playoffs consistently, and he'll be back next year and they'll be fine. But LeBron's fine. Lakers are okay. You know, they'll retool and and whatever team he plays on, which is going to be LA, they'll compete. Yeah. And um, and moving on, we had the uh, the Portland Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver won that 4-2. to two, But in, an impressive game five by Dame was, just wasn't enough. Uh, Matt, so swinging over to you, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this series? Um, I mean, I'll leave, I'll leave it mostly G because I know he's got a lot to say about it, but it's oh man unfortunate for Damian Lillard he he had 50 point or yeah over 50 points in game uh game five and they just couldn't get it done he did everything he could to keep his team in the game and and he just had no help outside of somewhat Robert Covington but um but gee I'll leave the rest to you I wasn't paying as much attention to this series as the others so Oh, okay. Well, let's, um, I don't even know where to begin, but, um, I want to give props to Denver for winning the series. Jokic MVP. I think people just need to accept that dude is a phenomenal player. Uh, shout out to Michael Porter Jr. Um, I think I mentioned it when the series started that Denver is going to go as he goes. He needed to step into that number two role since Jamal Murray got hurt. And when they won, he balled. I'm pretty sure that uh, final game six, he had like, I think he had 22 first quarter points. I mean, the guy can play. He's a young kid, tall, lanky, can shoot. And if he's playing at a high level, Portland's, I mean, Portland, Denver's dangerous. I want to go to that game five, though. I watched that game. (laughs) And let me tell you, I felt sorry for Damian Lillard. It's hard for me to feel sorry for a professional athlete. It's hard for me to feel sorry for players. 
because you know, but people when they talk about legacies and greatness, basketball is a team sport, and you need it's not like tennis one on one or any of these one on one sports where it's just on your skill. You can play well sometimes, and if your teammates are not there with you, then there's nothing you can do. I mean, he was 17 of 24, 71% from the field. <laughs> this man was 12 of 17 from three, 71% basically from the, from the three-point line. Ten assists, six boards, double nickel, 55 points. And on stat for you guys, in the two overtimes that game, Damian Lillard was six of eight for, I think, 17 points. His teammates were one for 19 for two points. Literally non-existent. I mean, he set up Covington for a wide-open dunk. Couldn't make it. CJ McCollum, all-star caliber player. You cannot step out of bounds at the end of the game. You got to know where you are in the court. It happens. It sucks. I just felt bad. The guy was trying his hardest, put the team on his back, made some incredible shots, and to not get a win, it sucks. And... The praise I'm going to give him, unfortunately, I'm going to have to admit that in game six, he ran out of gas, it seemed like. Fourth quarter, he was about one for nine. It sucks. He wasn't there that game. And, you know, they just couldn't pick it up around each other, you know, whether it's McCollum or Carmelo. And, you know, Denver was just a better team. Got to give him props. Jokic, incredible. Porter Jr., incredible. Aaron Gordon, they're getting production from a lot of different players. Austin Rivers wasn't on a roster two months ago playing big-time minutes and big-time shots in playoff games. And even the 30-year-old Argentina rookie, Campazzo, you know, he is a good controlling point guard that can, you know, keep the flow of the game well. I mean, they got some guys, and uh, props to them, man. But frustrated for Dame, and um, it sucks having a great performance like that wasted when you see an all-time great performance. It sucks. Yeah, it was a great time performance. Now, the question is, does Dame go on another team next year? Uh, I'll begin with this. Um, I don't think so. I think he's one of those loyalists. Like, he loves the city of Portland. He loves the fans. He's built a great culture in Portland. Um, My biggest hope is they can hire good coach, good coach that can, uh, that can, like, motivate the team to play better and, uh, and also, trade for a real number two. As much as I love C.J. McCollum, came from a small school in, uh, in the Patriot League, Lehigh. He's very inconsistent. I know he's a over 20-point-per-game scorer, but there's some games he'll go off for, like, 40-plus points, but then there's other games he just completely disappears. So my biggest proposition, and this is a long shot, is – for Portland to try to get a guy like Bradley Beal, somebody who can take pressure off Dame Lillard on a consistent basis. But that's just my proposition. Will they do it? We'll see. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, my opinion, uh, I, I mean, I, I see a lot of athletes who say they, 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 they're on an unsuccessful team or they just can't get that push the next, the next playoff series or the, the finals, and they're like, uh, I'll just leave to go another team. But, Matt, you have a great point of let's build around it and let's fight for the team and, and keep fighting to the playoffs. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think 
it can go both ways. Uh, 50-50 on this one. Uh, G? I think, um, personally, Dame's built different, in my opinion. He's got that old-school feel. He just wants to compete. Um, I'm going to take him at his word. Now, I'll be honest. I think a performance that he had in Game 5 where in a losing effort, where the guys around you failed to step up, that can definitely raise some eyebrows and maybe teeter or destroy that resolve a little bit that he has to want to stay. But I still think it's not going to deter him. Unless he wants out, he's going to stay in Portland. So I don't believe he goes anywhere unless Portland trades him. But I think he should leave, personally. I mean, Matt, I'd love to see him in that Boston green, buddy. Let me tell you, I would love to see them make that happen. But I don't think that uh, he's going to go anywhere unless he asks out. And I just think he's not built that way. And he's going to want to build something in Portland. And he's going to try to push management to maybe get somebody around him. Matt, I love the Bradley Beal suggestion. I think he's a guy that can consistently give him um, uh, someone reliable. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of McCollum. I think he's a terrific player. But there's been a lot of instances where he kind of, you know, disappears in certain stretches. He has he can be hot and take over, but as quickly as he is hot, he can go cold. And I think a little bit more consistency from the number two guy would go a long way for uh, the Blazers. So I expect them to try to add some uh, pieces to take some pressure off of Dame in the summer. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but you never know what will happen. Um, should be an interesting offseason. All right, moving on. Dallas and the Clippers. What a series, boys. What a series. It was uh, fun to watch. Uh, I'll just point out this before I get to you, Matt, that the home team only won once this the series, and that was the Clippers in the last game. That's surprising. Matt, start with you. What do you think? Uh, after the first two games when the Mavs won the road, I thought it was over. I thought the Mavericks were going to either sweep him or win in five. I did not think the Clippers – played with any urgency, they didn't play any defense, and they weren't making adjustments during those two games. Obviously, like I pointed out in last episode, things changed when uh, when Ty Lue decides to go small and put uh, Marcus Morris at the five spot. But uh, obviously, shout-out to the Clippers. They played extremely well the last two games. They stepped it up on defense, and they, and they did everything they could to – to win the series and went through adversity and everything. But at the same time, and I know, again, she's going to want to point this out as well, go into more detail. Luca had absolutely no help. Like, Porzingis is god-awful. Oh, my God. Like, I swear, <laughs> the only thing he can do is step out and shoot threes at seven foot three. Like, I don't think he posted up once. And I don't think he got double-digit rebounds in a small-ball Clippers lineup. One, one game. Like, this is ridiculous. And this is a guy who's making over $30 million a year? <laughs> I mean, <sighs> come on. But, um, but obviously, like, Finney Smith, like, you know what you're going to get from him. He'll be hot. He'll be streaky from three. Hardaway Jr. played relatively, relatively well the entire series. I think he got hurt in the beginning of game six and wasn't sure if that that impacted how he performed the rest of the way. But, um, but yeah, it just felt like whenever Luke was out of the game, like the Mavericks just couldn't do anything on offense. Like they would have a 10 point lead. And then once Luca went to the bench, Clippers just came back and 
came back and tied it up in two minutes. So, so yeah, it's kind of the same situation with Dame. Like, he, they need to do something and get a real number two, and they got to somehow get rid of Porzingis. Like, he's, he's terrible. I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think I saw an article or a post on Instagram or Facebook saying that Porzingis didn't feel like uh, the next guy up. I'm like, hey, man, you got to play like the next guy up. You can't be doing this bull crap in the NBA. You're getting paid a lot of money. It's time to start acting like a professional and start uh, showing, showing, showing yourself like a prof- professional. So, yeah, I feel bad for Luca. But what a, what a series. Uh, I think everyone enjoyed every last minute of it. Um, G, any opinions on this series? I'm going to try to keep this brief. Okay. Uh, Matt, like Dame, I think this was um, worse because it seemed like you pointed out anytime he was off the floor, like his teammates just forgot how to play basketball. <laughs> like, with all due respect, I mean, Porzingis is seven foot, he's a seven foot three waist of space. I know you mentioned he could shoot threes, but he did, couldn't even do that this series. Not effectively. He had a multiple games where he ended single-digit scoring. You were getting paid over $30 million a year. He's an over $100 million man. You are getting paid like a superstar. You can't even perform like a starter. You can't even perform like a six-man. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, Luca. let's put this in perspective. In series averages, he averaged 35.7 points a game. Eight about eight rebounds, ten assists, ten assists. Shot forty-one percent from three and forty-nine percent from the field. The only thing I will crack down on Luca is he needs to improve his free throw shooting. He was about seventy percent in the regular season. He only shot fifty-three percent in the postseason. He's got to work on that. But other than that, the kid was sensational. He is twenty-two years old, and to me, I think he's probably already a top-five player in the league. I mean, he's putting up numbers that shouldn't even be possible for somebody his age right now. I think I saw a stat that he has as many 40-point playoff games in his career than guys like Kyrie Irving and Dame Lillard. He is 22, and he already has as many 40-point games as those guys in their career. I mean, he is absolutely insane. Uh, I'm going to give some shout-outs to the Clippers. Kawhi, unbelievable game six and seven, took over, was phenomenal. But I think the overall difference was not only did Kawhi take over, but his supporting cast was amazing. Morris hit like seven threes game seven. Reggie Jackson was balling. Paul George was being Paul George. You know, good for him. Not I didn't want to hear. You know, I don't like hearing great players getting mocked, you know, when they call them pandemic P. But, uh, you know, he played well. And Luca, I mean, guy was phenomenal. He's only going to get better. It's scary. <laughs> yes, indeed, it is scary. Um, all right, and now moving on to the East. Um, first round was a pretty much a breeze, uh, but let's move on to the second round. Um, let's go with our, our our second round predictions. I know that uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Brooklyn and Milwaukee played already, but um, let's just move through it and then we'll get get to them. Uh, so Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah. So for the Milwaukee Brooklyn series, um, Nets won Game One. They won in a fair. And pretty easily. And uh, James Harden did get hurt, though. Hurt his hamstring 45 seconds into game one. But the Nets still somehow pulled it off. And my prediction for that series, I think the Nets are going to win in five. I just think 
I just think KD and Kyrie have been there before. They've been there, done that, made big plays. They're championship caliber players. And as much as I love uh, Giannis and Milton, like I, I mean, then again, Milwaukee did shoot bad from three game one, but at the same time, I just – I just don't think Giannis and Milton are going to get over the hump, especially against a guy like KD. And then the Hawks 76ers in game one, the Atlanta Hawks did win in a very close game, even though the Hawks were up by 25 at halftime, I think. And then they were up by double digits going into the fourth quarter. but And they were actually up double digits with four minutes to go, but Philadelphia just pressed them out of the gym and caught, caught all the way up. But, Fortunately, um, Bogdanovic hit a huge three at the end to seal the deal. And then and my prediction for that series, I just don't think Embiid is healthy. I mean, I know he looked healthy game one, but he has a partially torn meniscus, which is very hard to play through. So I don't think he's going to be able to to play consistently on a bad knee. So I think, I think the Hawks are going to take this one in six. Yeah. Um, gee, what's your predictions for the second round? Um, okay, I'm going to start in the West. I got um, the Clippers in six over Utah. I think Utah's a great team. You know, they had a great year. My original prediction was the Clippers going to the finals. I'm going to stick with it, even though I was rooting for Luka to pull it out. Um, I think they got overall the most balanced team in the West. I think that it'll shine through. Um, between Kawhi and George, you got the star. You know, you got Morris, Reggie Jackson, um, Luke Kennard's finally starting to shoot. Um, you got a finally bunch of – starting to play. <laughs> yeah, that there you go. Starting to play and shoot, yeah. Uh, they got a bunch of guys that can um, step in and give production. So, I think that'll overall help them in the series. Um, Denver Phoenix, that one was the toughest one for me to predict. I am actually going to go Phoenix in seven. I'm going to give the slight edge to Chris Paul's leadership. And I think that Jamal Murray's injury is going to be a little too much to overcome. Um, I love I love both teams, but I think Phoenix just to do a little bit more between Chris Paul, Booker, Aiton, you know, Crowder. They got they got some guys there, too. Um I think they'll pull it off. Uh, Philadelphia and Atlanta. I'm actually going to go Atlanta in six. Mad I'm with you, man. I think Embiid's not as healthy, even though he put up a good stat line. I think he's a little bit banged up. And I think Atlanta is a lot better than pretty much anybody gave him credit for. I want to give Trey Young his flowers. Dude is a stud. I think he gets a little bit overlooked because there are so many great guards in the NBA today. But dude can flat out ball. He just needs to. Tone down the craziness a little bit. I think he gets a little too aggressive sometimes. That can lead to and careless. That can lead to turnovers. But the dude can fill it up in the scoring sheet with the best of them. Bogdanovich, Collins. I mean, they have some guys that can score, that can rebound, that can assist. I mean, Capella. I mean, they got some. They got some depth and some good players. And I think it'll help them shine through. I'm also gonna go um, Brooklyn in seven. I know you had him in five, Matt, but I think that um, Harden is – I have a feeling going to miss him significant time. Hamstrings are nothing to play with, and I think Kyrie and KD are great, but I also think that Milwaukee 
performance than they did game one. They're a great three-point shooting team all season. They were. They struggled game one. I think the scale will tip back in their favor, and they'll give them a – do have the Nets ultimately taking in seven. But it's going to be a great series. Ah, this second round is going to be great, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, let's start off with the West, Denver, and Phoenix. I'm going to make it quick and short. Um, I think that Phoenix will win it in six. Uh, Utah and who was it? Clippers. Clippers. Uh, I think Kawhi gets the the uh, Western Conference Finals and they go. They win it in seven. Um, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I think this this should be a really interesting series. Uh, I think Giannis has a lot to prove, um, especially. Milwaukee being uh, one of the best teams in the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm going to go really crazy here. Let's give them the, the win of the series here uh, in six. In okay. six. Mm. And then um, another interesting one, Atlanta and uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia hasn't – I mean, they're showing that they, they belong in the playoffs. Um, but Atlanta has a lot of firepower. They have a lot of momentum going for them. They win it in six, uh, but it's going to be a close six. Uh, it's going to be really uh, close. And uh, that's my predictions for the second round. But, yeah, it should be exciting. I, I can't wait to see all the highlights and uh, the games being played. I know we got a couple. We got one tonight, right? Yep. We yeah. got the Nets, Nets Bucks tonight and also the Suns Nuggets. Yep. Yeah. Good doubleheader. It's going to be fun. I love playoff basketball, football. Playoff sports, yeah. anything, is just amazing. Exactly. You got to love it. Yes. And uh, picking back off the NBA, uh, we had some recent news with your Boston Celtics. So, uh, Matt, let's lead it off with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I still need to make my predictions for it, Wes. I don't think I I brought it up. So, the Suns yeah. Nuggets, I'll, I'll be quick about it. I think the Suns are going to win in six. I think I think uh, Jokic – I think DeAndre Ayton is going to do a good job on Jokic. He's a versatile big defender, so – so I think he'll slow him down a little bit. And I think uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and all the shooting they got outside, I think that's just going to be too much. And then the Jazz Clippers, I think Clippers are going to win in five. Um, gee, I know you're not going to like this analogy. Their stock is, so- Their stock is soaring, kind of like how uh, AMC stock soared, soared uh, <laughs> last week. So – so they got all the momentum going, and I think they're going to keep it going against Jazz. And then, and then going to the Boston Celtics. Um, so yeah, we got breaking news with uh, Boston Celtics general manager uh, Danny Ainge stepping down, and um, and I'm not. And obviously, it wasn't a surprise to me just because he's had health issues the past couple years. So. So I think it was just that time where we needed a change in the front office. And, uh, and yeah, so the Celtics uh, hired Brad Stevens, the, the for, well, now former Celtics head coach, as a, as a GM for the, for the team. And that was kind of shocking. Um, I did not see it coming. But, but my uh, thoughts on it, I think he'll make a good GM. I think he's got a great basketball mind. He knows – he was he was always a great X's and O's coach. Like he knows like the players' best interests and everything. But I think his biggest problem as a coach, in my opinion, was like outside of the X's and O's, like being a motive, being a motivator, 
like holding people yeah. accountable. So I think I think that he'll be he'll be fine in a GM role. And as for the head coach for Boston Celtics, I mean, I there's a lot of talks of Jason Kidd. I don't know if I'm really on board with that, but the guy I would like them to hire, and I don't know if he'll be he'll be gone since Mark Cuban just pointed out that he's going to keep him. Is if he somehow goes, Rick Carlisle. I think he would be the perfect fit there. He's shown in the past 20 years that, that he's been a good coach. He's very good with player development. Uh, he does hold people accountable. So we'll see. Yeah, I hear you, man. And uh, for me, um, I know we can get on uh, Brad's, you know, we talk about, you know, like those third quarters, how they somehow just blow leads or just magically like start horribly. Dude, Duke can coach. He's a solid coach. I actually think he's more of a fit for the front office, so I kind of like the promotion for him. I think he's more suited to do what Danny Ager is doing, and I think he'll thrive in it. And as for me, I love Rick Carlisle. I just don't think he's going to be available. And what I would like to see, um, if this is a possibility, personally, um, I think they should go after Nate McMillan. I think that the culture that he could bring will fit. When you talk about motivating, um, Matt, I think he fits what Boston needs right now. As a Supersonics fan, I remember when he coached Seattle from like 2001 to 2005, and he took us on a magical 2005 playoff run. Still my favorite team of all time, that Seattle team, with Ray Allen and his prime and, and Rashard Lewis and those guys. Dude is a drill sergeant. He will get players in line. He will keep guys in shape, and he will bring the best out of his guys. I think this team needs a kick in the you-know-what, a kick in the rear a little bit, and Nate McMillan's the guy to do that and kind of can bring out the potential of everybody. That's just me. I would like Nate McMillan if he can if he can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. It was, it was um, Actually, it was a surprise to me. Uh, I think it was a surprise to everyone to see Brad Stevens jump into the front office. Um but I don't know much about the Boston Celtics. Uh, it could be a good move. Uh, yeah, I didn't see him as a, a player type of guy, more of an X's and O's, like uh, Matt and Matt said. So, well, you know, we'll see what you guys get for the the coach, and then you go on from there. You build from there. Yes, sir. All right, and uh, moving on to some NFL news. The big news: Julio Jones gets traded to the Titans. Wow, um, I did. I think one of you guys saw that coming. Uh, Matt did. I did Matt, yep. we'll start off. Hey, ding, 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 the winner. We'll start off with you. <laughs> um, well, the most surprising thing is uh, the Hawks got back the same amount they got back when they traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots, a second-round pick, <laughs> which, uh, which as a Patriots fan kind of disgusts me a little bit. But <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, you guys can stop laughing now, okay? All right, anyways. All right, anyways. So back to Julio Jones. I think that's a great fit for the Titans. That was a position of need because they lost Corey Davis, they lost uh, Johnny Smith, and they lost Adam Humphreys. So they needed a stud wideout who can go opposite of A.J. Brown. And then, and obviously you got Derrick Henry in the backfield, good offensive line, and Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I think he's a great fit with them. I think he'll get so many more opportunities since A.J. Brown's probably going to get the majority of the double team. So 
I'm interested to see how it works, and I think he'll thrive in this in this specific offense. Yeah, that should be interesting. Uh, but they recently changed uh, OC, so yeah, it's going to be a, a transition for the offense. Now they have Todd Downing, and uh, Arthur Smith has moved on. Uh, but I think Atlanta should have got more out of it. I mean, Julio Jones is a top three receiver, if not the top receiver in the NFL. To only get a second and a fourth round pick and to give away – and also give away a sixth rounder is uh, cuckoo. Like, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? But, yeah, I think he's going to fit in well. Uh, A.J. Brown uh, is, is his height uh, or – yeah, A.J. Brown has his idol on his team with him, so it should be a fun, exciting, thrilling offense to see, uh, especially in the uh, AFC South. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, hopefully uh, they get a nice, easy transition. Uh, everyone hope hopes to uh, mesh well uh, with the offense, and if it goes, it's onward from there. Seeing the, seeing the Super Bowl, maybe the AFC Championship, who knows? Um, Gee, what's your thoughts on this? You know where he would be a nice fit, a nice combo? Julio and Devontae. I mean, Green Bay, what are you doing? A second-round pick, like Ryan said? Are you kidding me? Gudikins, you couldn't pick up the phone? You have a disgruntled quarterback. Man, you know what would make him happy? Wow. If we give up a second for Julio, he might. Julio, Devontae, hello, with Aaron Jones in the backfield in that offensive line? I mean, like, you want to talk about fireworks. Rogers probably breaks records next year. He'd probably want to stay, but you know, far be it. You know, let's let's keep that second round on that. We're gonna waste on a, probably a backup. Who knows? Anyways, good for the Titans. Good for the Titans. I think that, um, like Ryan said, definitely to note switching offensive coordinators is gonna be tricky. It's gonna be a new system, but a talent like Julio can fit anywhere. Uh, Julio and AJ Brown is gonna be a deadly duo. Um, I don't know how far it'll push the Titans, but I think it puts them in a position to compete, to be in the Super Bowl. You know, they can definitely I, – I can definitely see them in, like, the AFC Championship game next year. You know, with that offense, you still got Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, who's there throwing the ball. But, um, Matt, man, I completely forgot about – that's a new trade. <laughs> Second-round pick. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You gave up a second-round pick, and Atlanta basically got that – they got – Julio, they give up Julio for Sanu. That's how that's how I look at it. Like, are you kidding me? I'm sorry, bro. But yeah. good for the Titans. Good for the Titans. It was a great pickup. I think they needed firepower. Like uh, like one of you guys mentioned, they lost a lot of pieces. I think it was you, Matt. You know, Humphreys and those guys. I mean, you know, Smith. But it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. I can definitely see them competing for AFC supremacy next year. Yeah, and uh, another thing to point out uh, – one of the best receivers in the league, probably arguably the top three receiver, DeAndre Hopkins was also traded for a second-round pick. So not sure with all these elite receivers not being traded for first-round picks is just mind-blowing. But to bring up your point about the Packers trying to get Julio, I don't think Atlanta was going to trade him to an NFC team. It's a good so, point. So it would have been a lot tougher for the Packers to do up a second-rounder than like any team in the AFC. So It's a good point. Yeah, that is a very good point. Um, Give up a first. I don't know. Who cares? Just, just spitball. <laughs> the Packers are the Packers are cheap. Gee, they don't want to get. Yeah, up I know. I know. I got to learn to accept it. Yeah. 
All right, guys, I think that about do, does it for today. Uh, pleasure talking to you about the NBA playoffs and the NFL. It's been a pleasure. Uh, for all you listening, please make sure to subscribe and like our podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. I'll put it on the link. I'll share it out on Facebook. I know these guys will. Uh, please uh, listen to our podcast. Matt, G, it's been a pleasure. Hope you guys have a great night. As always, buddy. Take care, guys. Peace See you out. Later.